Oh, we went right into that. We did. Like, it's so good. <laughs> Magic right there. <laughs> we are back, everyone. Hello. We are back and ready to party. <laughs> Episode three. Of season six. six. There you go. I was going to say seven, but I don't know what season we're on. <laughs> we get, honestly, like, we could be on, like, any season at this yeah, point. Yeah, I bank on like... you knowing that stuff. Huh? I bank on you knowing that stuff. <laughs> you always know. <laughs> It will be like uh like any like reality TV show franchise that's been going on like um mm-hmm. America's Next Top Model. We're on like cycle like twenty four. Are they really that like, far in? Probably. That show? That's my guess. They have to be. They gotta be. At They've this been point. doing that since like the early two thousands, if not nineteen ninety something. <laughs> kind of like a uh, RuPaul's Drag Race too. It's like four fourteen seasons, a spinoff, <laughs> a mini series. That's very us. <laughs> All the different countries. Yeah. No. We're. What if we had, like, international spinoffs of us? Like, we, like, got people in Canada to make the mystery files. Stop. We can like cast people in different countries as us. <laughs> to, to play us. <laughs> you get to play Logan the Master. And you get to play Tiffany Walker. <laughs> the mystery files, Canada. Canada's mystery files. Stop it. That's genius. Amazing. Can we, well, we can have British mystery files. <laughs> Hello. That's already us. That's already us, love. That's already us. Oh, my gosh. I can never tell. Bobby. Wait. <laughs> you are not talking British. You're talking Australian, love. Australian. Actually, I think they're very close, but I don't really know how to differentiate. That's the word I'm looking for. Australian and British? Yeah. I used to be able to because I would watch Australian tennis for some reason in like what? sixth grade i don't know i'd put on australian open so i would like copy their accents and mannerisms mm. and stuff and i was pretty good but i haven't really? watched it since then so now i'm not good at it anymore did you ever um watch discovery kids growing up you asked me this i don't think i watched discovery kids really discovery kids like the lineup they had was either very canadian or very australian oh. like it was either like australian original works or canadian mm-hmm. like i guess like like we, like the United States just did not have like any children's. I feel like, especially Canada. I know they did a lot of children's content, like media. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But I'm like, even on, I think there's some stuff on like PBS that I was surprised. Oh, you're mm-hmm. Canada, or like just different kids shows. You know what Canada does really well, actually. What? They do horror really, really well. Really? Mm-hmm. Like uh, oh. that slasher show. Mm-hmm. Like um, that's Canadian. That's um, surprising. Yeah, they do a lot of really good Canadian horror. I feel like they got it, like, they got a good formula over there for, like, horror shows or movies mm, and stuff. That's so surprising. All I can think of is Life with Derek. I'm oh pretty sure that's God. Canada. <laughs> it is <laughs> Very, Canadian, yeah. Yeah, that's, like, one I always remembered being Canadian for mm-hmm. some reason. It's just crazy, like, seeing, like, the little, like, Toronto, like, mm-hmm. symbol with, like, the Canadian flag. And you're like, like After the episode, you're like, oh, this is Canadian. And then you're like, are these Canadian actors? And they're just talking and... <laughs> like english accents no literally <laughs> so fun. So last week not even last week we did our last episode sunday, sunday. and today is thursday thursday is thursday mm-hmm. <laughs> look at me knowing days and stuff we're getting ahead of the curve though to we be honest are. we're zooming right through even though i haven't posted the first episode yet hey but when we put them all will. up it's gonna be real smooth mm-hmm. real smooth we'll be like ready to go we will <laughs> and if one of us happens to get covid exposed again like we'll, we'll have backups we'll be backed up we'll be, we'll be backed up actually i don't think you can get covid like unless it's what is it I think you have, like, a two-month or three-month window or something, mm. so I'm good for a little bit. Yeah, and then once that window ends, like, we'll, we'll have a safe bed on there. Yeah, like... we'll have a nice little padding in case. Yeah, no, Love. exactly. 
But um, our last episode was about sleep paralysis demons. Yes, and I slept yeah. okay that night. I, I did too. Any... I slept like a baby. <laughs> I said all the demons are out in the air. I'm feeling great. You basically had a therapy session on the air. So I did. Like, it was just like all coming out. For I you. had I had a great time. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> oh my god! So this week it is my turn. It is your turn. Oh my god! I'm so excited. I know I've been giving <laughs> little hints. I'm excited. I think I gave you hints of. Uh, creepy pastas, mm-hmm. then YouTube, YouTube, and then things we've watched before. So I'm like, that can <laughs> literally be anything. Mm-hmm. Genuinely, the only thing I'm like thinking of is like mermaids, a, <laughs> mermaids, <laughs> or what is it called, Slenderman guy? Slenderman. But we, didn't Maybe. we do that? Am I crazy? Did we do an episode on Slenderman? We did not do an episode on Slenderman. I feel like we've asked this before. Been like, have I did done we? an episode on this? And the answer is usually no. Well, maybe was it in the ten? Uh, mysteries what the heck is it called the the christmas mystery special i don't think it was in the christmas special what am i thinking of then <laughs> wait <laughs> well i can't do that now i think at one point i had it all drafted out i just never did mm-hmm. it so i did almost have a repeat though i was like trying to think of like something we should do and i think like i forget i had like an idea in my head i was like oh we should do that episode and i was like we've literally already done it oh i was gonna do the alcatraz escape and i was oh, like i already did that one you just knew you were like that'd be so much fun <laughs> done i i think i'm just like very big on uh prison break stories you're like i just think this is good for us <laughs> it's on brand <laughs> no so or do you want to give me a little drum roll yes. into this week's mystery here i'll do it on the bottom of the table so it'll be weird are you ready okay, okay. Ooh. This week on the Mystery Files, we will be discussing Orson Welles' War of Worlds radio play broadcast. I vaguely remember this. You're gonna oh, like it. Oh, wait. It's aliens. Yes. Why do I... That's such a weird memory. It's like, mm-hmm. a, I know we watched it and like, know stuff about it, but I cannot place it in my head. It's from uh, one of our, like, it's from... Well, the, the script I don't mm. have is, like, it's from one of our favorite YouTubers. Shout out to Inside a Mind. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's all making sense now. Mm-hmm. I remember watching this video in your room at the old apartment on a beanbag chair. Mm-hmm. Yes. I remember right now. Yeah, no, it was a really yeah. fun. Aw, like, <laughs> fun. We really like uh, Inside a Mind. I think that's, like, it's such a good show. Um, mm-hmm. He kind of just covers, like, really niche uh, mystery stuff that's not necessarily... Um, like completely like true crime or supernatural it's like a little bit of both and yeah some of it's based in just like wild things that have happened oh, I'm excited. <laughs> i honestly forgot about this guy not gonna lie yeah, like no i like him but i feel like i haven't thought about him since that night that we binge watched a bunch of these oh my god videos yeah. so like now i'm gonna have to like catch up on stuff <laughs> he's done recently yeah no we've did like i think we've like watched him for like six hours we I did think. a lot of watching mm-hmm. so now i'm like there's so much i can watch now because i feel like i go in and out of the youtubers i watch and then Mm. like i save up like a bunch of videos so i can have a bunch of content to like binge watch like i did that with the try guys oh yeah a bunch of people i wait until there's so much i'm like okay i'm pretty good for a couple days i'm ready to feed i'm ready to feed it's fantastic (laughs) so i'll have to do that with inside of mind but i'm so excited to get into it yes (laughs) so uh the articles that we'll be discussing from is from smithsonian magazine and this is a uh, article that was made by brad schwartz so thank you brad for Thanks, brad. this information on the radio broadcast yes so on halloween morning 1938 orson wells awoke to find himself the most talked about man in america the night before wells and his mercury theater on the air had performed a radio adaption of 
H.G. Wells' The War of Worlds, mm -hmm. converting the 40-year-old novel into a fake news bulletin describing a Martian invasion happening in New Jersey. Some listeners mistook those bulletins for the real thing, and their anxious phone calls to the police, newspaper offices, and radio stations convinced many journalists that the show had caused nationwide hysteria. <laughs> By the next morning, the 23-year-old Wells' face and name were on the front pages of newspapers coast to coast, along with headlines about the mass panic that his CBS broadcast had allegedly inspired. Wow. So this is like... What yeah. year is this again? This was in, I believe, let me double check my source. It was 1938. Okay, so like, yeah. they're really afraid. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm just picturing this alongside, what was it, in 2021 when they like announced like something about proof of aliens and no one cared No one cared because we were just like in the middle of like yeah. everything. Yeah. But like imagine back then people mm. were probably freaking out and everyone's like ah there's aliens. Yeah no exactly. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, And that's like one of the reasons I wanted to do this case too. I was trying to find something that was like based on like a real type of situation yeah. that happened. Um, It's also just crazy how much hysteria this caused because I believe this was I don't believe it was the first but it was one of the first like big radio like broadcast things to like be done like in yeah. plays and stuff so like it was the first time like um one of the first times the theater was kind of adapted for mm -hmm. radio which i think that's a really cool idea it kind of reminds mm -hmm. me of didn't we find inspiration from that for the halloween special the one year i believe when so we did, and like, then the also inside thing. number nine yeah is that what it's called inside did number we ever nine? find that episode that we were looking for no because it's lost like, it's a lost episode. episode. That's so upsetting. Which is crazy. Which, um, in case you guys don't know, um, there's a show. Logan, get into it a little more. I don't remember no, you, much you I don't remember much too. about the episode, but there's, mm -hmm. like, a lost episode of Inside Number 9 that's basically a similar concept. Mm -hmm. I don't remember much about, like, the logistics of yeah. it, but I know it's supposed to be really scary. <laughs> it was basically, like, they filmed on – they were, like, filming a live show during Halloween, and they were able to convince audiences that um, – like a paranormal activity was happening mm. on the set and that it was like one of the most terrifying experiences people have had like watching television before like it was like mm. a master class in horror um <sighs> which is another reason why i picked this uh, yeah. episode like this case because it feels like one of those like master classes and like um this is how you do it it's how it's done yeah. like they set the standard for like everything after even though we'll get into it even though wells uh that was like not his intention to like scare people because it was adapted from a novel but... oh so he didn't mean to yeah apparently like he did not <laughs> mean like any harm by this like he was not trying to trick audiences <laughs> Poor guy. Well, supposedly there's fans out there and like speculators who think like like that he like there's no way he didn't have any idea what he was but doing did they not put a disclaimer at the beginning that's like okay this is purely fictionalized it's based on da -da 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 -da. well most likely but, but if like, you jump into the middle you're not yeah no help. exactly and that's where the hysteria like kind of came from because mm -hmm. i think like a lot of people like were tuning in at the moment like the aliens have landed in new jersey also can you imagine being in new jersey and you're like where are they here <laughs> I don't and i don't them. are they invisible and i'm going to be attacked at any moment like mm -hmm. i feel like the panic of just 
the uncertainty of it all freaked mm-hmm. me out. Also, New Jersey does not seem like a place for the aliens <laughs> Where to they stop. Go. Yeah. Actually, though, you know what? If the aliens were going <laughs> to land anywhere, it would be New Jersey, huh? What? It? I feel like it would be, you I know? I feel like they'd land somewhere, like, flat, like Nebraska or, like, Nebraska. Iowa. Nebraska. Nebraska. <laughs> Look at us in Nebraska sweatshirt. But also, I think that's just me, like, because I lived there before. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, it's really flat. Crop circles. But Pennsylvania's got corn, you know. Mm-hmm. Make those crop well, we have alien cases here too, which I don't think we discussed on the show, which we probably should do sometime. That'd be fun. Alien? Didn't we do? We did some we didn't sort do of Texburg. A... We didn't do Texburg. There was one we saw. Had... Well, I don't know if it was abduction stories. Maybe it was abduction stories. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the ones. I'd have to look back at the episode title. Might be parallel dimensions, but this goes into aliens too, which is which real fun. I love aliens. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so uh, Wells barely had time to glance at the papers, leaving him with only a horrible, vague sense of what he had done to the country. He'd heard reports of mass stampedes and of suicides and of angry listeners threatening to shoot him on sight. Ah! Um, and the quoted saying, if I'd planned to wreck my career, he told several people at the time, I couldn't have gone about it better. With his livelihood and possible even his freedom on the line, Wells went before dozens of reporters, photographers, and newsreel cameramen at a hastily arranged press conference in the CBS building. Each journalist Mm -hmm. asked him some variation of the same basic question. Had he intended or did he at all anticipate that the War of Worlds would throw its audience into panic? That question would follow Wells for the rest of his life, and his answers changed as the years went on. Wow. From protests of innocence to playful hints that he knew exactly what he was doing all along. <laughs> um, the truth can only be found among long-forgotten script drafts in the memories of Wells' collaborators, which capture the chaotic behind-the-scenes saga of the broadcast. No one involved with War of Worlds expected to deceive any listeners, because they all found the story too silly and improbable <laughs> for someone to possibly take seriously. And so many people did. <laughs> the, Mercury, uh, the Mercury's desperate attempts uh, to make the show seem halfway believable succeeded, almost by accident, far beyond even their wildest expectations. So that's just kind of like a little summary of the aftermath. Yeah. Also, the fact that people were like threatening him or like mm-hmm. threatening to kill him what did he do yeah like well, all he did was yeah make a report on it yeah but well, also we'll definitely get fine. into it but he like definitely got in like legal trouble almost because it's like could like be seen as like lying to like the public so mm-hmm. if he caused like mass hysterias and these like um protests and like all these things he was talking about like mm-hmm. it's possible he could go to jail for stuff yeah, like that. I also don't know the logistics of like how much live um like radio stuff was actually recorded back then. So do you mm-hmm. think there was much proof and what all was said or was it all just like what they remember hearing or do they have like a backup of what was said on the air? Like did they record that to keep all I the time? Actually don't know if they have one. I know that they've done reboots of War of Worlds, like they've done like rebroadcasts of it, but I don't mm-hmm. know if they've done his version of like it. Like the original audio. It. Because I'm like maybe he couldn't actually get in too much trouble. Okay, so it looks like they actually do have the complete um radio broadcast online on YouTube. So they wow. do have that like footage. As we well. should play a clip at the end. Just we of should. the audio. Because I just Ooh, I think I have that'd a be cool. Clip. <gasps> Yes. That'd be kind of, that'd be kind of <laughs> That'd be so creepy. It's like, aliens all over New Jersey. Can you imagine you listen to it? It just sounds like a, um, a Peanuts character. Like, perfect. Yeah. So by the end of October, 1938, 
Wells' Mercury Theater on the Air had been on CBS for 17 weeks. It was a low-budget program without a sponsor. The series had built a small but loyal following with fresh adaptations of literary classics. Mm -hmm. But for the week of Halloween, Wells wanted something very different from the Mercury's earlier offerings. Uh, in a 1960 court deposition, as part of a lawsuit suing CBS to be recognized as the broadcast's rightful co-author, Wells offered an explanation for his inspiration for A War of Worlds. He quoted saying, I had conceived the idea of doing a radio broadcast in such a manner that a crisis would actually seem to be happening, he said, mm -hmm. and would be a broadcast in such a dramatized form as to appear to be a real event taking place at that time rather than a mere radio play. Without knowing which book he wanted to adapt, Wells brought the idea to John Houseman, his producer, and Paul Stewart, a veteran, a veteran, not a veteran, <laughs> a veteran radio actor who co-directed the Mercury's po uh, radio broadcasts. Um, the three men discussed various works of science fiction before settling on H.G. Wells' 1898 novel, The War of Worlds, even though Houseman doubted that Wells had ever read it. <laughs> that's so you're shady an idiot. you don't read <laughs> you're uncultured you know nothing yeah. else happening here so uh, i think one of the interesting things here is that like as an artist uh orson wells like didn't have like a passion about the book at first yeah and like wanted to adapt it like he literally <laughs> says like in his quote likes i kind of want to just mess with people in a way <laughs> so there's so, the proof the proof's in the pudding then so yeah exactly so it's just like one of those things like i kind of see where he's um like coming from because we like i said we did that with our halloween special yeah. basically but like but like, you could tell that was, like, very much. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, for him to have, like, all of the resources to make it, mm -hmm. like, so believable and scary, mm -hmm. that's kind of fantastic. I don't know. I think one of the things that I find really interesting about this case also is mm -hmm. um, it's very similar to the Blair Witch Project. Oh, And how yeah. people thought that was a real documentary and wasn't fictionalized because mm -hmm. um, even, like, for this radio broadcast... Um, Social media was not a thing yet. Yeah. So there was no way to really, like, crowdsource or, like, um, all come together to talk about a certain topic. Yeah. So with the War of Worlds, there's, like, really no other people you can kind of try to identify with. Like, you can't really tweet at someone in 1938 in New Jersey to see if, like, aliens are actually landing or not. Yeah, like, there's know? a very big disconnect. Also, I'm wondering if there were people out there who did recognize that this was that book. Mm -hmm. and they were like okay guys read a little bit <laughs> read mm -hmm. some more and understand this is an, an adaptation oh yeah and i'm sure like even his like theater had like probably like somewhat of a following it like probably would have had to yeah so, like people were just listening to it like all excited like knowing that it was just a piece of like work yeah but people who just randomly tune in to want to listen to something late at night or something it's just like, not oh, the right time but also like imagine those voice voice actors they should have got like some big awards so people believed it that much like they deserve something mm -hmm. some big like radio award yeah the cast was actually pretty large i actually where's the cast list i have that here yeah it was a pretty big cast of people they had um it was at least 20 some people like in the cast just for this radio broadcast interesting like, I wonder, I'd have to listen to it to see exactly what the format is, but, like, did they tell, like, the entire story, or was it just, like, oh my gosh, guys, they're landing, blah, 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 type 
like craziness. I think it was just like um basically like a summarized version of it. So instead of it being like the whole book, I think it was like towards the, where the Martians were like landing and stuff like that. Okay. It, which we are about to get into because mm. this is a little like paragraph about kind of like the summary of what uh, the War of Worlds was. Okay. Perfect. So the original The War of the Worlds uh, story recounts a Martian invasion of Great Britain around the turn of the 20th century. The invaders easily defeat the British army thanks to their advanced weaponry, including <laughs> a heat ray and a poisonous black smoke, only to be felled by earthly diseases against which they have no immunity. The novel oh. is a powerful satire of British imperialism the most powerful colonizer in the world suddenly finds itself colonized and its first generation of readers would not have found its premise implausible. Hmm. Um, in 1877, the Italian uh, astronomer, uh, let's see if I get this right. You can do it, you can do it. Uh, G- Giovanni uh, Shia, Shia Perali. Ooh, Ooh, pretty. Okay, Giovanni. Fancy, had observed a series of dark lines on the Martian surface that he called... <laughs> Canali, which kind of sounds like cannoli. Canali. I see a cannoli up it's there. It's a cannoli in the sky. <laughs> There's a cannoli in the There's sky. There's a Martian cannoli in the sky. <laughs> Luigi, do you see the cannoli? Luigi. Hey, I'm Italian. This is fine. That's This is my Chris Pratt uh, Mario impression. Oh, I was like, why? What does this mean? <laughs> um, But I guess uh, Canali is Italian for channels. Oh. So... In English, canali got mistranslated to canals, which is a word implying that these were not natural formations, that Mm. someone had built them. Wealthy, self-taught astronomer uh, Percival Lowell uh, popularized this misconception in a series of books describing a highly intelligent canal-building Martian civilization. Uh, Mm. H.G. Wells drew liberally from those ideas in crafting his alien invasion story. The first of its kind, and his work inspired an entire genre of science fiction. That's cool. Um, yeah, that's really, really cool, actually. Yeah. Um, by 1938, the War of Worlds had become familiar to children through the medium of comic strips and many succeeding mm. novels and adventure stories, as Orson Welles told the press the day after his broadcast. They said, let's traumatize an entire uh, generation and then make some nice content out of it. No, I'm just imagining, like... Reading the Sunday paper and seeing mm-hmm. like these like really colorful like versions of Martians invading Great Britain, like yeah, and they're like, oh, so it was fake, huh? People were like threatening to kill him, and he's like, here's some comic strips. Can you imagine us seeing that like on top of everything you and I have watched as like kids? Mm-hmm. Like that would just be like more like of a cherry on top yeah. of everything. My gosh, honestly, if something like that were to happen when we were younger, I still think it would be just as scary. Mm-hmm. Like kids, like oh my gosh, there's aliens attacking everywhere. Oh my gosh, it'd be like monsters versus aliens. Oh my god, literally. I was also wondering <laughs> if like uh, this takes any inspiration from uh, Mars Attacks. Oh, I think I've only seen parts of that. Really? Because I think it may be uncomfortable. <laughs> just like the way, the way it all really, is. really out of pocket. I just, it's a lot to handle and I don't know if I can handle it. I just love, um, I love anything that's like puppeteer or like yeah. kind of just, I've told you this before. I love things that look kind of jarring. That's one of the reasons mm-hmm. I like the Muppets a lot. Yeah. I'm like, what Listen, are they doing there? That was way too jarring for me. This whole... <laughs> Mars attacks was way too much for me. Do you remember uh, when we lived together and I had my Muppet phase? The Muppets, the, what was the dinosaur? 
Yeah, the dinosaur show. That was like one of my last phases. Stunning. (laughs) I just like things that look like they should not belong there. I'm like, what is that dinosaur doing? Like, does it not make you feel weird? (laughs) What? Like that kind of stuff like makes me uncomfortable to watch. It's just like kind of funny because like imagine like a like a dinosaur thing coming up to you in modern day. That's crazy, you know. No, absolutely not. <laughs> like that doesn't even, it's not even real. <laughs> but that's what makes it fun. Yeah, imagination. <laughs> yeah, so after Wells selected the book for adaptation, Houseman passed it on to Howard Coach, a writer recently hired to script the Mercury broadcast. Okay, Ooh. so there was someone who was hired to do that as well. Hmm. Um, with instructions to convert it into a late-breaking news bulletin. Okay. Uh, Coach may have been the first member of the Mercury to read The War of the Worlds, and he took an immediate dislike to it, <laughs> finding wow. it terribly dull and dated. Oh. <laughs> That's so rude. That is rude. They said, this sucks, but we'll still use it. Can you imagine being a writer and having to adapt something? And you're like, I hate this. This is Honestly, how could you even get through it? There's like books I've tried to pick up and I'm like, that's rough. But if I had to read it, mm. I would just be mad at it. I couldn't do anything more with it. I guess the commission alone would be like pretty good. Like, I guess like I got to do this then. Maybe that's why put, they put it in, in New Jersey. They were like, okay, let's bring mm. some interesting factors into this. Yeah. Um, so it looks like maybe one of the reasons why he found it dull was because uh, science, fi- science fiction in the 1930s was largely the purview of children with alien invaders confined to pulp magazines and the Sunday paper. Mm. Um, the idea that intelligent Martians might actually exist had largely, had largely been discredited. Even with the fake news conceit, Coach struggled to turn the novel into a credible radio drama in less than a week. He had a week. A week? To write this. He made that chaotic thing. Oh my god, that's crazy. Go him though, honestly. And it's like an hour-long broadcast, so like it was probably 60 pages at least. So he had to write like a 60-page script, refine it, Mm -hmm. and then give it to them. That's amazing. That's crazy. All dialogue. I guess it's like that's the only thing you had to do that week. Like, but like for me, like with my schedule and like everything, I could not do that. But also, just imagine just writing a script, no visual stuff, just like writing the script, and you had to make it all coherent. Mm -hmm. It's like just with sound. Mm. Crazy. I feel like I would like um, doing the like interviews and stuff. How like they had like people broadcasting in it because I don't know if they'll go into it or not. But like I know they started this. play broadcasts with like them just acting casual being like hi i'm a news anchor and here's some mundane news and here's the Mm. weather report like i feel like i would have fun with that i feel like that'd be like (laughs) really fun to have yeah like it starts all casual it's (laughs) crazy um so yeah so on tuesday october 25th after three days of work Coach called Hausman to say that War of the Worlds was hopeless. <laughs> Ever wow. the diplomat, Hausman rang off with the promise to see if Wells might agree to adapt another story. Oh. But when he called the Mercury Theater, he could not get his partner on the phone. Uh. Wells had been rehearsing his next stage production, which was a revival of George uh, Birchner's Dayton's Death. For 36 straight hours, Ah. desperately trying to inject life into a play that seemed destined to flop. With the future of his theatrical company in crisis, Wells had precious little time to spend on his radio series. Wow. So he didn't get to put much effort into this at all. (laughs) So he's like, this sucks so so much. They blame the entire, like, 
everything on him and he's like yo i was i was on doing theater stuff for 36 hours i don't know can you imagine oh my I, god how is he okay how is mm. he fine kind of sounds like uh kind of what we do a little bit like kind of trying to do like plays and podcasting yeah and dipping his and toe stuff. a little everywhere Aww. go him we should reach out to him be like hey uh, I, don't know, I, I feel like he's I think like, he might be dead he do you think he's dead mm, maybe yeah. we should check let's check let's check is or send him an email a little when seance he, well he's kind of cute well <laughs> He died in 1985, so, um... So he's just a little dead. Yeah, he's, uh, like, way before we were born. <laughs> way oh well. before. Oh, well. Oh, well. Get it? <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, this rehearsal recording has apparently not survived, but a copy of Coach's first draft of the script, likely the same draft that was used in rehearsal, is preserved among his papers at the Wisconsin Historical Society in Madison. It shows that Coach had already worked out much of the broadcast fake news style, but several key elements that made the final show so terrifyingly convincing were missing at this stage. Like mm. the original novel, this draft is divided into two acts of roughly equal length, with the first devoted to fake news bulletins about the Martian invasion, and then the second act uses a series of lengthy monologues and conventional dramatic scenes to recount the wanderings of a lone survivor who is played by Wells himself. Wow. That's Whoa. creepy. I didn't know it did that. Yeah, that's that's kind of, like, crazy to think, like, um, all this panic was happening, like, over the radio and, like, uh, Wells played just, like, the last remaining person. Like, so would he be the last person alive in New Jersey or just, like, a town? It's possible, yeah. Like, it could be, like, um, I think, like, maybe what they were trying to do with it is, um, uh like he's the like sole survivor like oh they're coming for you they're, they're coming. coming imagine being in new jersey and you're like wait but i'm also alive so we're the last two alive mm. like convincing yourself of that mm. <laughs> so yeah so in wells absence houseman and stewart tore into the script passing their notes on to coach for frantic last minute rewrites <laughs> i know that very well yep, feel that <laughs> deeply um the first act grew longer and the second act got shorter leaving the script somewhat lopsided unlike in most radio dramas the station break in war of worlds would come about two-thirds of the way through and mm. not at the halfway mark so apparently no one in Mercury realized that listeners who tuned in late and missed the opening announcements would have to wait almost 40 minutes for another disclaimer explaining that the show was fiction. Oh, god! Oh, dear God. Radio audiences had come to expect that the fictional programs would be interrupted on the half hour for station identification. Breaking news, on the other hand, failed to follow those rules. People who believe broadcasts to be real would be even more convinced when the station break failed to come at 8.30 p.m. So they broke uh, legal rules by not taking a break at 8.30 as well. Oh, man. Wow. They said, let's push it to the very edge. Honestly, they probably got in a lot of trouble. Yeah, well, the, the broadcast itself is 57 minutes. So basically, there was like the first 40 minutes of it were completely played and the last 17 were there. And the first, like, 40 minutes, like they said, with the lopsidedness, was just, like, news covering, like, <laughs> Just casual things, and then it got crazy. Yeah, yeah, oh. exactly. Because they also mentioned in the second act that Wells' character was the last, one of, like, the last remaining people, which I'm sure by that point you could tell that it was fiction. I would hope. But if you were just seeing the first act full of, like, frantic news anchoring. Like, ooh. you might believe it, honestly. If I was sitting home alone and I heard that, I think I would believe it a little mm -hmm. bit. 
Yeah, so these revisions also removed several clues that might have helped late listeners figure out that the invasion was fake. Mm -hmm. Two moments that interrupted the fictional news broadcast were with regular dramatic scenes were deleted or revised. Mm. Um, at Houseman's suggestion, Coach also removed some specific mentions of the passage of time, such as one character's reference to last night's massacre. The first oh. draft had clearly established that the invasion occurred over several days, but the revision made it seem as though the broadcast proceeded in real time. Uh, yep, that'll as, do it. <laughs> as many observers later noted, having the Martians conquer an entire planet in less than 40 <laughs> minutes made no logical sense. But honestly, okay, so he wasn't the logic. last man in New Jersey. He was the last man, period. But everyone's like, but we're listening to this, so how is this? How are you the last one? Oh, God, I feel like I'd go through an existential crisis here. Yeah, that. you're like, am I dead listening to this? Like, mm -hmm. you would just question everything. Yeah, um, but Hausman explained in Run Through, the first volume of one of his memoirs, was that he wanted to make the transitions from actual time to fictional time as seamless as possible, so in order to draw more listeners into the story without needing to take many breaks. Each change added immeasurably to the show's believability. Without meaning to, Coach, Hausman, and Stewart had made it much more likely that some listeners would be fooled by War of the Worlds. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. I wish we could have heard this. Yeah, I wish I mean, we were we alive can. then. We could listen I still to it want to later. listen to it, but I just mm -hmm. can't imagine back then listening to something like this. Mm -hmm. I've heard wow. clips of it, but I never like fully have like listened to it. Yeah. I think even that video we watched from inside of mine, he had clips from it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that'd just be so creepy. Plus, back then, I feel like it would just be even more freaky because technology was so different, and like that's where you got your news. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So. Make sure I got it right. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, other important changes came from the cast and crew as well. Actors suggested ways of reworking the dialogue to make it seem more natural and comprehensible or convincing. Mm -hmm. In his memoirs, Hausman recalled that Frank Reddick, uh, the actor cast as the reporter who witnesses the Martians' arrival, scrounged up a recording of the Hindenburg disaster broadcast and listened to it on repeat over and over and over oh, again, man. studying the way the announcer Herbert Morris's voice swelled in alarm and became more and more horrified. That's this so man's an cool. Actor. He's an actor. Does the research? Oh my god! I love but, that. <laughs> I'm just like thinking to myself, like these actors were probably like so like I can't wait to like make this like piece of work and like be so believable like everyone's gonna know it's like this beautiful piece of art and it's gonna feel so believable death threats but like they did not yeah they probably did not he did not think that like yeah his believable performance would be like i feel like it's a compliment like mm -hmm. they think you're so believable like they think it's so real you mm -hmm. should be like honored oh my god yeah, no, I can really see that happening. So uh, Reddick replicated those emotions during the show with remarkable accuracy. He started crying out over the horrific shrieks of his fellow actors as his character and other unfortunate <laughs> New Jersey New Jerseyites. New Jerseyites? I feel like it's New Jerseyans. New Jersey. It says it's like New Jerseyites. <laughs> wow, I don't like that. Oh my god, wait. <laughs> it says in here like, like 
is like he would shriek every time a New Jersey a New Jersey it got incinerated by one of the Martians' <laughs> heat rays. Stop it. Or uh, Aura Nichols, head of the sound effects department at the CBS affiliate in New York, devised <laughs> chilling, effective noises for the Martian war machines. That is chaotic. According to Leonard Moulton's book, The Great American Broadcast, Wells later sent Nic- Nichols a handwritten note thanking her for the best job anyone could ever do for anybody. <laughs> this is this is crazy. I just love the chaos of it all. They had a sound effects person. That's so stinking cute. This just sounds truly like <laughs> comedy. This, no, comedy. yeah, it just truly sounds like just a bunch of passionate artists trying to make good art. Yeah, <laughs> not knowing that they fully were like Convinced causing this people. mass hysteria. I love that for them. Oh that God. is so hilarious. Can you imagine if we released like an episode of our podcast and someone's like, oh my God, things are happening. Humans <laughs> are attacking. Aliens are attacking. I just like, I can't, I guess I'm not no. from that time. So I couldn't know. But like, I feel like in 1930, if I heard someone using a heat ray and was like destroying a bunch of New Jersey <laughs> citizens, I'd probably mm-hmm. be a little skeptical. Like, hmm. Would we though? That's what in I'm the saying. 30s, I feel like anything would have been like crazy at that time. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And like back to your point that you said earlier about how like we found out aliens were real like last year. It's like no okay, one cared because cool. they're like ah anything is crazy now. Yeah. So um, although Mer- the Mercury worked frantically hard to make the show sound as realistic as possible. No one anticipated that their efforts would succeed much too well. (laughs) CBS's legal department reviewed Coach's script and demanded only minor changes, such as altering the names of institutions mentioned in the show to to avoid liability suits. Mm. In his autobiography, radio critic Ben Gross recalled approaching one of the Mercury's actors during that last week of October to ask what Wells had prepared for Sunday night. And he said, the actor said in quote, just between us, it's lousy. (laughs) The actor said, adding that the broadcast would probably bore you to death. (laughs) Or scare you to death. Wells later told the Saturday Evening Post that he had called the studio to see how things were shaping and received a similar dismal review. Very dull, very dull. (laughs) Oh, no. A technician told him it'll put him to sleep. Wells now faced disaster on two fronts, with both his theatrical company and radio series marching towards disaster. Finally, War of the Worlds had gained his full attention. Wow. (laughs) Wonder why they were still so invested in it, regardless of, like, them thinking it was going to be so dull and boring. They're like, ah, no, I think I still want to do this. Mm -hmm. This might suck, but sure, I already signed up. Well, I feel like because they had to deliver something that Sunday night, like, there's no way you could, like, do another adaptation and only, like... 48 hours time probably yeah. like also if they thought that was dull mm-hmm. what what do they think is like crazy i just think it's so funny like that they were just like oh it's so dull but the actors were like i'm gonna give the best performance of my life oh my gosh so like it may be dull and boring but i have this <laughs> i'm gonna get a radio emmy for this I don't, radio that's... emmy <laughs> give me the remy give remy. me the remy oh that's Aww. cute remy the rat they got the remy, remy oh my the god um, so mid-afternoon on October 30th, which is also, this is really interesting that, like, it happened around Halloween time. Halloween. Um, just hours before airtime, Wells arrived in CBS's studio uh, for last-minute rehearsals with the cast and crew. 
almost immediately he lost his temper with the material. <sighs> but according to Houseman, such outbursts were typical in the frantic hours before each Mercury theater broadcast. That sounds mm. terrible. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. Wells routinely berated his collabor- collaborators, calling them lazy, ignorant, incompetent, and many other insults. Rude, oh my god. sir. All while complaining of the mess they've given him to clean up. He delighted in making his cast and crew scramble by radically revising the show at the last minute. Oh, he sucks. <laughs> adding new things and taking others out. Out of Chaos came a much stronger show, though. Hmm. I could see that. Like, like I like that, but also imagine being the people in the show. I would be so annoyed. That oh, he... no, yeah. But... That probably explains, like, the, like, very believable performances, too, because he put them, like, way under too much pressure that they probably should have been. Yeah. Like, way too much. But but also, it might not have been that bad, because they would still have, in theory, the script in front of them. Mm-hmm. Like, if they needed, like, the new phrasing or whatever words. The new words. phrasing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Since it is a radio broadcast. I just feel like... Mr. Wells, I'm... I... I um... Man to man here. <laughs> if you wanted the like revision to be good, maybe you should have paid more attention to it. Yeah, like, throughout the whole process when they were ha- sending it to you. Yeah, maybe and then don't you just change completely the last minute. ignored it for like a thirty-six hour rehearsal. Yeah, like, like maybe start caring a little earlier. Yeah, exactly. And I get like if you're doing this show like every week, but you gotta like put some care into it. You yeah. Know? We do this show every week, but we still got to put our care into it. Maybe he's, like, someone who decided to, like, care at the last minute, and Mm. then it all got (laughs) fixed at the end because he was like, ah, I finally decided to care about what we're doing here because we're doing it. I'm just imagining him pulling the script from Coach's hand and just going, trash, here it is, here's the new script, and you're like, okay. And he's like, wow, this is, uh, this is interesting. This is art, but I guess we're doing it because you, (laughs) you changed it. Um... One of Wells' key revisions in The War of the Worlds, in Houseman's view, involved its pacing. Wells drastically slowed down the opening scenes to the point of tedium, adding dialogue and drawing out the musical interlude between fake news bulletins. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. They have it all planned and he's like, "Mm, let's keep dragging it. But like, he basically took like already the 40 minute mark that we were having without a thing and just stretched it even longer. Oh gosh. (laughs) Um... Houseman objected strenuously, but Wells overruled him, believing that listeners would only accept the unrealistic speed of the invasion if the broadcast started slowly, then gradually sped up over time. Which I agree with that part of it, but... Yeah. However, that's bad for, uh, mass hysteria. Yeah. (laughs) Um, by the station break, even most listeners who knew what the show was, fiction, would be carried away by the speed of it all. For those who did not... Those 40 minutes would seem like hours. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. That's basically this. So imagine we went this long so far for this episode. We're in 41 minutes right now. So imagine that's how long that they had to, like, keep keep it slow. Oh, my God. I I couldn't even imagine. And we've already covered, like, 30 million topics in just this episode. Yeah. So, like, they're just like, okay, here's the weather. Hi, guys. We love the weather here. It will be 41 degrees tonight with precipitation up to... Is that what it's called? Precipitation? Precipitation? Per- Precipitation? Now you're stressing me out. Precipitation. Par- <laughs> okay. It's going to rain. <laughs> Precipitation. Yeah, yeah. See, I can't even get through that weather thing without rain. making a joke about it. <laughs> rain is going to rain. No. no, exactly. Oh, my God. 
I can just imagine people like turning it off or maybe turning it on for background noise. Yeah. Can you imagine like turning it on like just for background noise while you did work or like homework or something and mm-hmm. then like the it Mars invasion started? You're like, I was just listening to the weather for 40 minutes. Oh my god. My no, gosh. Yeah, exactly. That would just... Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> um, another one of Wells' changes involved something cut from Coach's first draft, which was a speech given by the Secretary of War. Stop it. <laughs> That's a great description. <laughs> they said we need this character. It's important. Believable. I'm like, hi there. I'm the Secretary of War. This is me, Tiffany Walker, the Secretary of War. <laughs> this is a formal announcement. <laughs> There's a war with the aliens. With the aliens. The Martians are invading. Uh, <laughs> Describing the government's efforts to combat the Martians, this speech is missing from the final draft script, but it is also preserved at the Historical Society in Wisconsin, most likely because of the objections from CBS's lawyers. When Wells put it back in, he reassigned it to a less inflammatory cabinet official, (laughs) the Secretary of the Interior, in order to appease the network. But he gave the character a purely vocal promotion by casting Kenneth Delmar, an actor whom he knew could do a pitch-perfect impression of, kid you not, Franklin D. Roosevelt. Oh, that's cool. So, So he was like, I want a guy who to be the Secretary of the Interior, but he has to sound like Franklin Roosevelt. We need this. Um... In 1938, the major networks expressively forbade most radio programs from impersonating the president in order to avoid misleading listeners. But Wells suggested with a wink and a nod that Delmar make his character sound presidential, and Delmar <laughs> happily complied. Stop oh it. That's God. so funny. He said he is the president. Make it serious. Make it crazy. Make everyone scared. This feels like he's just, like, pranking him. Like, fully, this is a prank to him. Like, yeah. 100%. So, um, wait. So, I get this straight. Did the network approve of the last draft of this? Or did they just not know the depth of what all of this was going to be? I think they approved of, like, one of the final drafts up to, like, a couple hours of the like show. Like, before he changed mm-hmm. it. Before he started changing yeah. things. Yeah. I was going to say, why... <laughs> Why did they still let him do it if they knew? But I guess if he changed it right away, how could they have approved it? Which is probably why he was in legal trouble, too, because, like, he changed things about it last minute, which is why he probably found, like, that was probably what CBS was worried about. Yeah, he's going to break all those different rules. Mm -hmm. Because it is, like, he he did want to do a broadcast that was, like, convincing of, like, a real Martian invasion. Mm -hmm. Oh, my god! They're like, let's set some boundaries. Yeah, uh, they actually mentioned that a little bit more here, too, with uh, that these ideas that Wells had only came at last minute with disaster waiting in the wings to happen. So he would think of these last minute ideas like on the fly. Oh, gosh. Um, As Richard Wilson observed in the audio documentary Theater of the Imagination, radio brought out the best in Wells because it was the only medium that imposed a discipline Orson would recognize, and that was the clock. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's a little shady. Mm-hmm. Being like he only <laughs> works well under a time limit. Under the limit. pressure, everything else he sucks. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, um, clearly, with the hours and then the minutes before airtime ticking away, Wills had to come up with an innovative ways to save the show, and he invariably delivered. The cast and crew responded in kind. Only in these last minutes rehearsals did everyone begin to take War of the Worlds more seriously. Mm. Okay. Okay, so they weren't too mad. They were like, okay, this is way better. Yeah, giving it their best efforts 
or perhaps the first time. Mm -hmm. The result demonstrates the special power of collaboration. By pulling their unique talents, Wells and his team produced a show that frankly terrified many of its listeners, even though those who never forgot that the whole thing was just a play. Wow. Wow. I want to know someone who was alive during this time. I mean, I probably do, but I can't remember. But, like, I want to see what someone who is alive today thought of it, if they listened to it at that time. Mm-hmm. No, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so this is, um, where is I going to start? Oh, yeah, so this goes into a little bit um, about, like, the actual broadcast that, like, happened as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, inside of it... Um, there was an announcer that was at a crash site describing a Martian emerging from a large metallic cylinder. Ugh. And the description is, Good heavens, he declared. Something's wriggling out of the shadow like a gray snake. Ew. Now here's another, and another one, and another one. Oh, no. <laughs> they look like tentacles to me. I can see the thing's body now. It's large. It's as large as a bear. It glistens uh-huh. like wet leather. But that Ew. face, it, it... Ladies and gentlemen, it's indescribable. I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. It's so awful. (laughs) The eyes are black and gleam like a serpent. The mouth is kind of V-shaped with saliva dripping from its rimless lips that seem to quiver and pulsate. Ew, gross. (laughs) Yeah, I might be scared of that too. Can you imagine? Gross. As like both of us being writers now. Getting that script into our hands. We'll be like, uh huh. Pardon? It's it's lip. It's it's quivering, but like, it's it's lipless. It's like help me, help, help me. me. Like, That's very much of the time, though. The thirties. Gee, Willikers. Like again, I talk about this every few episodes. <laughs> Why is it every time we do a case, whenever there's things and like quotes, they're just so like it's chaos. I'm like, how? Why are they documenting that? Yeah, no, literally. <laughs> when someone gets the opportunity, they start talking crazy. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, it, it's just, like, crazy to me. Um, so inside of it as well, they said the Martians mounted walking war machines and fired heat ray weapons at the puny humans gathered around the crash site. They annihilated a force of 7,000 National Guardsmen after being attacked by artillery and bombers of the Martians released as a poisonous gas into the air. Soon, Martian cylinders landed in Chicago and St. Louis. The radio play was extremely realistic, with Wells employing sophisticated sound effects for the actors and doing a great job at the terrifying sounds that were happening at the landing sites including betrayals and accounts of each landing in each city. Oh, that's cool. It is cool, but it's terrifying in the latter just half. Just very realistic. Mm-hmm. No, literally, I just, like, can't imagine, like, imagine living in, like, St. Louis or, like, Chicago. And you're like, it's here? It's arrived? Yeah. Can you no, imagine the fear. if I was 10 and I heard this radio broadcast? I think I was dying. I, I, think, I think that's I it. Dying. I'm done. What do you think you could fight them? I feel like I would think I could fight them. Yeah, I would like, like put on bit. like a bunch of like just weird mm-hmm. gear. A yeah. hockey stick. I would have put on like my best outfit, like yeah. and gotten like be like, I'm gonna fight them. I would have made like a tinfoil hat mm-hmm. to like protect my brain. Yeah. I don't know. Be like logic. whenever you used to play outside as a kid, kind yeah, of like be bad like, energy. I can kick anybody's butt. I can do it. Where's my goggles? No, I got literally. this. <laughs> Where are the goggles? Oh my god, yeah. It's like one of those things where, like, you probably know it's, like, a little unrealistic, but you're like, ah, no, you're but like, it's I'm real. I'm gonna save the world. It's real to me. It's yeah. real. It is real. 
that's no. oh my god but yeah um so at the press conference that next morning after the radio show wells repeatedly denied that he had ever intended to deceive his audience but hardly anyone then or since has ever taken him at his word that's gotta hurt. Yeah. That's gotta hurt. No one believes him anymore. Um, his performance captured by newsreel cameras seems too remorseful and contrite. His words chosen much too carefully, and instead of ending his career with War of the Worlds, catapulted Wells into Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, where he would soon make, do you know? Oh, what the heck's that movie called? The stupid Citizen one. Kane. Citizen Kane. <laughs> I, listen, if any movie buffs are out there, I could care less about Citizen Kane. I'm not even joking you. <laughs> that movie, every time I try to watch it, I fall asleep, and if I am awake, I've it's stupid. I've never seen it, but I know of it. Like, it's the, just from the film slowest classes. movie what? I have ever, but like, slow and stupid the entire way through well that kind of like plays a part into like the whole like script with uh war of worlds because they it's also slow. said the same thing that it was so painfully slow yeah and everyone's like oh citizen kane is a such a cinematic masterpiece i'm like mm-hmm. sure it's pretty i don't care if it's pretty it has to have substance and like i know there's some really cool camera stuff in yeah. it but uh, mm-hmm. i don't care <laughs> i just don't care so yeah a lot of people seem to believe given the immense benefit that wills had from the War of the Worlds, um, mm-hmm. reaped from the broadcast. Many find it hard to believe that he had any regrets about it because it, like, catapulted him yeah. as a celebrity and, like, a phenomenon, basically. And, like, now people, like, recognize him with his, like, work in film and everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, good for him. Even though I don't like him as a director mm-hmm. or whatever, but I think he's very talented. Yeah, I mean, like, I think there is, like, multiple ways to look at this, but I could see how, like... It's, like, hard because in concept, he wanted to trick people. Like, that was, like, part of the gig that he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also hard to think, like, last minute on the fly like that, his intention was to, like, completely, like, do that to people and, get them. I think he just wanted to tell a crazy story, regardless of, like, what his motivation was. I think he just wanted to go big or go home Mm. and make something he was proud of. And it's still talked about today, so clearly it made an impact. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um... So it also says as well, um, the Federal Communications Commission investigated the unorthodox program, mm-hmm. but they did find that no law was broken. Hey. Networks did agree to be more cautious in their programming in the future, and the broadcast helped Orson Wells, of course, like land those contracts. So it sounds like, you know, the FCC tried to like find if any rules were broken, but I guess he got away scot free with it. Good for him. He's lucky. <laughs> and he got and he got celeb and he made Citizens Kane. Like look at that. He's still got he's still got goodness in there. Um in later years, Wells began to claim that he really was hiding his delight that Halloween morning. Mm. Um this sounds like a villain origin story. Yeah, it literally does. <laughs> the Mercury, he said in multiple interviews, had always hoped to fool some of their listeners. Oh, that's really okay. funny. Okay. <laughs> in order to teach them a lesson Stop about it. not believing whatever they heard over the radio. I mean fair though, honestly. Fair. Yeah, but at the same time, like... Like, that's where you're looking for the truth. That's where, like... Especially just, at that time, that's where you're getting your news, yeah. so. Like, you're playing with fire with that. You were playing But I love the fire. chaos of that energy. Ah! <laughs> don't believe everything you hear. No, exactly. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. But none of Wells' collaborators, including John Houseman and Howard Coach, ever endorsed such a claim. In fact, they denied it over and over and over again, long after legal uh, reprisals were a serious concern. The Mercury Theater did quite consciously attempt to inject realism into War of the Worlds, but their efforts produced 
a very different result from one they intended. The elements of the show that a fraction of its audience found so convincing crept in almost accidentally as the Mercury Theater desperately tried to avoid being laughed off the air. Mm. Ooh, I can't even imagine trying to do, like, another episode of yeah. that show after this happened. Like, that's the peak. Yeah, I that feel like at peak. that point, like, it might be good to just... Just call it a day. Losses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They probably got so many listeners from that, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from that broadcast. Holy smokes. Yeah, so... The War of the Worlds formed a kind of crucible for Orson Welles, out of which Wonder Kind of the New York stage exploded onto the national scene as a multimedia genius and a, quote, trickster extraordinaire. Yeah, as he should be, trickster. <laughs> He's just a little trickster. A little trickster a little, on the air. He was like one of the original trolls before the internet was a thing. Yes, absolutely. Literally. <laughs> um... He may not have told the whole truth that Halloween morning, but his shock and bewilderment were genuine enough. Only later did he realize and appreciate how it had changed his life. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, he is now known as immortalized forever as the man from Mars. Oh, that's, that's fun. That's I didn't pretty know that. cool. That's a pretty cool like saying to have, like being called the man from Mars. Yeah. Like that's actually really interesting. The man from Mars. Um, so yeah, so that is actually all about the War of the Worlds broadcast Ooh. and about how it came to be. I love that. Yeah, so what what do you think about all that? I love the chaos of it. Regardless, like, I'm sad. Sorry people were scared, but I love the chaos of it. <laughs> it feels like a lot of stuff went down. Yeah. It. Like, just like, I just can't imagine, like, going through all of like that just for making a radio drama like i'm sure i would have felt differently at the time and like Mm. it seemed very real like i think i would have been a little more upset but right now i think that's just so chaotic and i love just how far they went with the bit Mm -hmm. he like really really like went intense with it yeah Um, like the details i just want to sit and listen to it now yeah i think it's hilarious (laughs) watch you listen to it and you're like Oh, this is so boring. Well, I think I'd probably skip the 40 minutes. (laughs) Go right into the aliens. I want want the craziness right now. I can't wait. (laughs) But yeah. Um, One of the things I found that was interesting about this is that even though it caused like a bunch of mass hysteria, Mm -hmm. um, like as far as we know, there was Mm -hmm. mass hysteria behind it. However, since it was 1938, there is also the chance that maybe the hysteria that actually happened mm-hmm. was really played up and didn't actually happen. Yeah. Like, there's people, like, I was doing some research on this earlier, too, and um, some people, there's actually no full documentation that mm-hmm. people freaked out. But okay. there's, like, a few things that are, like, people did freak out. So like, I wonder like, if people, like, called in or... Yeah, it's, like, one of those, like, mysteries. Like, people did call CBS. They were, like, freaking out. And, like, police stations were also, like, freaking out and stuff being, like, help. But there's no, like, actual account that, like, it caused any actual damage. Like, there's no proof of um, anyone, like, offing themselves, like, from the broadcast or causing, Mm -hmm. like, protests or, like, fights. So Um, it's all, like, speculation. It's word of mouth type of styles from, like, what we know from the police reports that were given in those cities. Wow. Which I think is also interesting because it's, like, one of those things, like, did it happen? Did it not? Yeah. But regardless, like, people were mad at him. Yeah, you made people people mad. People were very (laughs) mad. 
Oh, I think that's interesting. Yeah. I could just I just think it'd be interesting if like they were super annoyed for even like a couple of minutes mm-hmm. and then they were like, That's enough for me to leave a phone that's call enough. complaining about this. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm really surprised you mentioned like the local like police departments. I'm surprised he didn't get any like trouble with the police for mm-hmm. doing this. Or like the government type people who yeah. keep this stuff locked up. Well they probably like, didn't know stuff. like how they could really like touch him and yeah. stuff because it was like an FCC thing and they like we're like yeah you're all good yeah um imagine the men in black are like shut up shut up shut up (laughs) i also think it's just interesting like how vague it is it's like yeah if i was to be like theorizing like it's crazy to think like did he actually try to do that like last minute to try to freak people out like was he trying to like jumpstart his career into like the stardom and celebrity yeah type of person like it's just like crazy to me to think about like was it intentional? Was it not? Did he intentionally not revise the script till last minute on purpose? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm sure he got a kick out of the thrill of it. The thrill of, like, making it as crazy and scary mm-hmm. as he could when he finally decided to care about it. Like, yeah. I think part of the thrill was, like, make it bigger, bigger, bigger. Yeah. And it's, then... it's just, like, crazy because it's just, like, for me, this case is so interesting because it feels kind of like a stack. Um, not a stack like a line of dominoes yeah like he just did like one thing and then Mm -hmm. like it set off like a whole bunch of events like actors doing better than they originally were going to being way more convincing or like doing these last minute changes the like commercial breaks and the people freaking out and then becoming Mm -hmm. such a big thing like um i'm pretty sure this is known as like the very first like quote-unquote like prank that has happened like on broadcast yeah which is I love that. Wild. I almost wish I could see the draft of the second to last script versus the last draft of the script Mm -hmm. that they did the very end. I think that'd be so interesting to see the difference. Yeah. They didn't mention in any of the history stuff that I was looking at, but I wonder where the final draft is. Like, I wonder if uh, Wells had it or not. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, I wonder if he did have it, maybe, because they have a record of the second to last draft, but not the very last draft he did where he revised, like, yeah. and gutted so much out of it. I guess that would have to be a thing. You'd have to read the second to last draft mm-hmm. and then just listen to the the actual recording yeah. of it to see how different it is. Mm-hmm. But I just want to see how crazy he went off yeah. the rails. I think that'd be cool. I feel like that's the fun of this mystery, too, is that there's just so much that goes into it. Like, where's the last draft? Like, was it intentional? Was it not? Like, how many yeah. people truly did freak out and how mm-hmm. many people did it? And, like, <sighs> it's just, like, wow to think about. Like, that's so much fun. A lot. Yeah. But yeah. That is our case on the War of the Worlds. So, yeah. I guess the mystery of what happened... Wait. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I gotta re- rephrase that. Like, I didn't hear a thing. I guess... What happened on October 30th of 1938 with the War of the Worlds radio broadcast will forever remain a mystery. mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you. And we will see you next week for Tiffany's case. We'll see you next week. Be there or be a square. (laughs) Or triangle, do you? Do do you. Do you, Home Slice. Do you. Be a radio broadcaster. Do it. Just like do us. It. Be a podcaster. Be a podcaster. Come on the podcast. Come on the podcast. Follow us on the Instagram at say. the Mystery Files underscore. <laughs> yes, do it. And check out our YouTube if you're feeling crazy. Check Is out the fun? Halloween special. Check it. Check it, check out. it out. Get to see how much we've grown since then. <laughs> check it out. Is that a read? <laughs> Kinda. Maybe. It should be, right? I think we did pretty good, yeah. though. I honestly don't remember much about it. I think it'll be fine. 
That's probably good. <laughs> I want to know the quality of stuff, how much it has gone up mm-hmm. since. I just don't know. I feel like we were good, but like, what if we were like rough? Yeah. You know? Quoted the mystery files. It was probably good. It was probably good. I mean, I bet the jokes were there. <laughs> 10 out of 10. All right, guys. <laughs> Have a good night. Have a good night. <laughs> Bye. Sleep tight. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I forgot I'm, I'm ending this. <laughs> Goodbye, guys. Goodbye. Farewell.